Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get it spoiled. Yes. Um, say that shit with your chest. Um, oh, I thought I was going to get in it there, but I didn't. Okay. Say that tip with your test. Keep moving like what's next. Yes, and. Yes, and. Right. Hello, hello, hello. Oh! Oh! Move this slightly to the side. Oh, my hair. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. She's Beth, I'm David, and we're two huge Doctor Who fans and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with The Rescue. It's the 11th ever Doctor <laughs> Who story. Before we begin, please do remember to subscribe and follow us on the socials. You can find us at Who Watch Podcast and you can email us with your thoughts on the story or our episodes at thewhowatchpodcast.gmail.com Plus, if you're on Spotify, you can let us know your thoughts via the Q&A button. This feels so good to be able to do that together, Ryan. We're back together, guys. We're in person. She's, she's no longer in Cambridge. We're back in South London. Are you allowed to say that? Because obviously MI6. How oh, shit. You? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I'm probably going to, I'm going to get a sack now, There's a little I? red dot that's just appeared on your forehead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the toy maker and his bastard laser. Well, that's all right then. <laughs> oh my God, have you seen? I'm by, I'm by generating. No, have you seen that the, um, the Defence Secretary Grant Shapps has announced that the UK has developed its first ever laser weapon. I saw it on the timeline <laughs> and I, chose, I I simply chose to ignore it because I just can't be dealing with it. Sorry, it just, like... I saw Reese's tweet about it being lovely. Reese Conley, who does it, does the artwork for us, um, quote tweeted and was like, "This is literally the weapon, the weapon that's on the top of the unit building." If you go onto at Grant Shaps and you scroll down through his media, you will see what I mean. It's literally a late. It's, it's a, called Dragonfire. It's called Dragonfire. Two as well. Doctor Who references. <laughs> Someone's a Doctor Who fan. So, someone at the MOD <laughs> really loves Doctor Who. And Dragonfire is such a good story as well. Well, we'll get to it <laughs> in like 20 years' time if we've not been bombed. Um, if you're enjoying our travels through time and space, please do give us a rating on your podcast provider. Tell your pals, tell your family, tell your cats, your dogs, your lizards, your fish. Spread the word of the Who Watch podcast. <laughs> we've decided to do something a bit different because we've realised that we previously have taken up about 10 minutes of an episode talking about like what actually happens. So we thought, Beth... <laughs> I'm going to give you 30 seconds and I've got a timer. I've got an actual timer. Um, and you're going to tell me in 30 seconds what happens in The Rescue. Okay, so um, the TARDIS lands, but the Doctor is having a depression sleep so he doesn't actually um, feel the TARDIS landing because he's so sad over Susan leaving. Barbara and Ian wake him up and they're like, oh, we've actually landed, mate. And suddenly he's had a personality transplant since the last episode because he's a completely new man. Trauma response. You've had 20 seconds already. Okay, fuck. And there's a guy called Cullian and he's faking it and there's a new girl from the future who's going to be the companion and Barbara gets thrown off a cliff and it turns out that her... Oh no, I've run out of time! <laughs> What that's a fantastic a, summary. That's actually so much harder than you, because I was just like, just getting into it. And then, <laughs> I was thinking too much about the Doctor's depression sleep to... I mean, I also thought about the Doctor's depression sleep. Right, so let's break it down. We start with the Doctor's depression sleep. Yeah. And you're right, like, he wakes up and has had what feels like... Such a vibe shift. Such a vibe shift. It really does feel like he's had a personality transplant. Throughout the whole transplant. episode, he is like... Really positive and really. He's a completely different man. Comical. See, my my headcanon is that he's like having a trauma response and he's overcompensating so that he doesn't 
show that he's upset that Susan's left. Yeah. But I've always said this because I've always been a big fan of Vicky and the rescue. That her, like his relationship to Vicky is like what I wanted his relationship to Susan to be. It's ex- it's exactly that. Like so. Obviously, in the last episode, we saw Susan leave, and the Doctor's basically like, "You need to go and have your own adventures. You need to have your own time to like find who you are, mm. and go find yourself or whatever." <laughs> um, and then in this episode, we we meet Vicky, who um, is adorable. So actually, the episode starts with Vicky um, in the uh, the broken down spaceship on Dido, yeah, and they're getting a signal. That a rescue ship is on the way. Yeah. And she pops through to the next part of the spaceship and she's like, Bennett, there's a rescue ship on the way. And he's like, Don't be silly, it's not gonna be here for another like 60 hours. No, no. And she's like, no, 69 hours. 69 hours. I love that you remembered that. And she's like, No, 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 there's definitely a signal. And he gaslights her to fuck. <laughs> and it's like, You silly little girl, there's no signal. Um, and then she calls the rescue team and they're like, No, we're not gonna be here for another 69 hours. And she's like, What? Like, what's going on? It's obviously the TARDIS. Duh. Then we get to the depression scene then we get depression in the TARDIS. Night. Yeah. Then they land and they go outside and the doctor has a personality uh transplant. <laughs> so yeah, he is like far more comical throughout this episode. He's far more and grandfatherly witty and, and energetic. Yeah, which will and grandfatherly will come on to as to why he's more mm-hmm. grandfatherly. Um, and also, we have to talk about the fact that the, this is the first time that the Doctor goes to another planet and he's already yes. been there before. He says, I've been here before, I know the people on this planet. Yeah. That's the first time that happens in the show. So that's really exciting, because he's like, oh, I know these people. There's only a hundred of the, the, these people. Their whole yeah. race is like a hundred people, and um, they're really peaceful because of that. And it's really, really interesting. Which and so, so he's like, why is there no one around? Which is so odd, by the way, also, that like your entire race is made up of a hundred people. Like, like, that's yeah. an odd face. But I really, really like that concept that they're really peaceful because there's so little of them. Yeah. Like, there's so little people that they're, they're actually like a race that really values each other. And yeah. it's really, you know, I really like that as a concept. But then obviously the Doctor's like, what the hell is going on? Because there's no one around. No one's here. Why can't I find anyone? Yeah. Um, Ian and Barbara getting split up again through this episode. Barbara yeah. gets pushed off. Barbara gets pushed off a cliff. Yeah. Right. So she gets pushed. I've written down in my notes. <laughs> big spiky scary boy comes and pushes Barbara off a cliff. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about big spiky scary boy to push Barbara off the cliff. Coquillian. Coquillian. Who's this weird creature that yeah. has like bizarre spikes yeah so i was reading earlier that apparently they based him off of like a zoomed in fly like what a fly looks like oh. zoomed in. but i think he's much more alien looking than that he's way more to alien me than that. a zoomed in fly or a fly would be like what the tritivore tritivore are yes. in planet of the dead which is a 2009 episode of doctor who um but i think that i actually think that this costume or this concept for an alien is one of the like i just we've spoken about this before but how original all of these aliens are yeah. in 60s doctor who is so amazing like i would love them to bring back um, do we even? I don't think we find out what the race are actually called, but I would say the people of Dido, if that's what I've they called look them, like. Didodians. Yes, the Didodians. Let's go with that. Um, I love the spikes, and he's so freaky looking. Yeah, he's a freak. You're a freak. You're a freak. Freak. So he finds Barbara, mm-hmm. and Barbara's like, "Mate, back the fuck up. Yeah. I will. I will fucking swing for you." And, and she um, gets pushed off a cliff. She gets pushed off a cliff. Which actually looks like quite a fall. Like I don't quite know how she fall. survived it. And then while that's going on, an explosion that we later find out was caused by Coquillian blocks the cave. Yeah. So Ian and the Doctor have to find their way through. So that again, the Doctor and Ian are split up from Barbara. Um, and it's like it's nice because I think it's not the first time that we've had like the Doctor and Ian by themselves. Yeah. Obviously. I love them. But together. it's really nice because they're so like. They're really funny together. They are. So there's a point where they're like crawling through the cave and Ian's like, oh, Doctor, you better get back otherwise you might like slip and fall into the cave. And the Doctor goes, what? And then goes, oh, I better stand, I better back up otherwise I might fall over. And Ian's just (laughs) like, yeah, I just told you that. (laughs) There's also a bit that, can we talk about the Ian making fun of the Doctor like at the beginning? Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. Um, And there's also a bit where they're going through the the tunnel where... um, Ian's like, oh, you're the best physician I've ever met. And then the doctor goes, it's a shame I didn't get that degree. Yeah. Which is so, just like such a funny joke. And like, yeah, I love the way that this is written. So they're split up and Barbara is taken in by Vicky and is rescued by Vicky. Yeah. um, The rescue. Yeah, who's trying to hide it from Coquillian. Yeah. Um, so Coquillian comes back and is like I need to talk to Bennett and Vicky's trying to hide the rescue ship stuff and Barbara from him and he goes through to talk to Bennett and then 
he doesn't come back. Yes. And then uh, at this point we find out that Vicky's got Barbara like hidden under a sheet and they start sort of bonding and we find out more about Vicky and then Bennett comes in and he's like the people who have come here are war people and we've they've all been killed and then Vicky's like no one of them's right here. Um, and then obviously Barbara's panicking being like um, have they killed the doctor? And, yeah. I'm like, oh. yeah. Um, also there's something that I really loved about Vicky as this was going on is that She's so complex because she's so sweet and cute and like, oh, the rescue ship's coming and yeah. she's obviously like had a hell of a time. And then whenever something feels like she might not be rescued, she's like, well, I didn't care anyway. Actually, I didn't. I'm, I'm fine. Not, I'm not bothered. I'm by myself. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's like such a, it's straight away. She is such a contrast to Susan. She yeah. is so different. She's got so much more personality than Susan I think Susan does have personality but I think Vicky has more somehow like she's really yeah. you, she already feels really complex and fun the way that she's played is amazing she feels grounded she feels like there you understand her motivation you understand why she, why she is the way that she is yeah but she also feels like Susan is meant to be quote unquote 16 whether that's meant to be 16 Earth years or the equivalent in Time Lord years I don't care um <laughs> Susan is meant to be 16 and she feels far more childish than Vicky does. I was going to say though... the opposite. Really? Well, I think Vicky at some points comes across really childish, but then at other points comes across really mature. And it just gave me like the energy of a 17 year old, like much more than like Susan. Because Susan was just like scared of everything. Whereas Vicky's really got, Susan... you can tell that she's scared, but she's like fighting back. Susan to me gives like 13, 14. Okay. At points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get And then you. also 17 at points. Like, it's a bit, it's like she's a bit complicated in, in terms of, like, how she's written. And again, it's probably because she's been written by men who do not understand the behaviours of 16-year-old young women. But then it's like, how, this is what I find so difficult, because straight away, like, imagine being Caroline Ford and then straight away seeing how well the book is written and being like, why didn't I get that? Well, this was potentially going to be one of my fun facts, but apparently she would v- visit set and encourage Maureen O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. So I office, yeah. So I read that as well. Um, so, but I am. I wonder how she felt really because. Yeah. I I was just like that's really. Straight away, Vicky has so much more to her, and also I guess it's. It's weird because this is also the first time that ever that a companion is asked to join the TARDIS team. Yes. So like you know. They Barbara and Ian were kidnapped. Susan was already there. So it's kind of that dynamic of having to meet a new person and see why it is that they would join the TARDIS. Yes. And that chosen family thing that we love about Doctor Who is mm-hmm. that she has no one else, so now she's going to join this like family of all this tar- this spaceship. Like you said, it's like the first time that we we see that, and it was kind of quite interesting because we've obviously at this point in time that we're recording, like last month, we just said hello to Ruby Sunday for the first time. Mm. And again, we've just had that kind of whole episode of like, finding, of like, realising why she would want to join the TARDIS, the motivations mm. for it, and the kind of like, you can see that she's got the kind of this, like Ruby has this kind of chutzpah, and this like, natural, like, love of, this, this kind of natural adventureness, yeah. about, adventureness about her. And Which Vicky really has because she comes from the future and she was yeah. already on an adventure that got her here. Yes. So it's kind of like she has a similar... You can really see like why she would be a good fit for the TARDIS team. Absolutely. And then, yeah, when she walks into the TARDIS and has that kind of wow moment. Yeah, that and like, that, yeah it's so cute. It's very cute. Anyway. Also, you, what you just said is so interesting because you're like, right, well, this episode has to prove what it is about Vicky that makes her perfect for the TARDIS, and makes her perfect for Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and what her motivations might be. Whereas for Susan, actually, all we've had for the last few stories is her whole arc is basically her motivations for like leaving the TARDIS. It's yes. kind of the opposite thing. And it's really, really interesting to see them both being quite similar in age, I think. I don't I don't actually know how old um, Vicky's supposed to be, but they, see, they seem, you know, that they're, they're under the age of 20, both of yeah. them. Um, and how different that is, mm-hmm. you know? I... And I love as well that we get, we get Vicky's kind of, her empathy for other people. Like straight away she wants mm-hmm. to help Barbara. Straight away she's upset when Barbara shoots her little, little okay. friend, Sandy. <laughs> so we've met Vicky. Vicky and Barbara are kind of collabing, they're working together, and they're trying to find a way to make sure that Coquillian doesn't attack them so that they can get onto the ship when it arrives, mm-hmm. when the rescue ship arrives. And 
to do that, obviously, Barbara's now kind of been in the TARDIS for quite a while. She's kind of got her wiles about her and kind of is thinking in the way that the Doctor is, would think. Um, obviously, slightly different to the way the Doctor would think because she's a human. She plans to put herself up for as bait um, and then shoot Kikillian with the with this flare gun that Vicky has. Mm-hmm. And Bennett's like, no, let's not do that. The Diodian people will come and kill us. Yeah. It's going to be a whole thing. Um, and so I was like, okay, fine. Takes him back to bed. Meanwhile, in the cave, the Doctor and Ian are playing Jungle Run. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, there's the, that bit where these spikes come out of the wall and push Ian towards, like, the edge of, like, a uh, like a cavernous, like, cliff thing. Hey, yeah. Um, and then it's like... You can just go around them, Ian. They don't come that far out. <laughs> my favourite thing, my favourite thing was like, Ian being like, oh, there's this, this ring pull. I'm going to hold onto this ring pull. Because they're up against the, the back of a cliff and they're like, trying to make sure they, they've got like enough ground to hold onto something. So he grabs this thing mm-hmm. and manages to pull himself onto a more secure <laughs> area. And it comes away in his hand. And he's just standing there like, hmm... I wonder why this has come away in my hand. And the doctor's <laughs> like, I feel like this is a trap. And then Nine Aww. starts slowly moving the way towards him. Uh, 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 vehicle <laughs> reversing. Uh, uh, it's so slow. So, goes, so sorry that he could have run out of the way. No, literally, it goes, oh no, knives. These spikes are coming at me, these big knives. It is a little bit like in Star Wars where they're kind of throwing the rubbish, the rubbish sheet and the walls start closing in. I don't know Star Wars well enough no, to know that That's the, my only reference I have. But then he works a way to get around it. Yeah. And that's why putting his coat on the end of one of the knives and swinging his way around <laughs> one. Sure. I love Classic Who because they always have to work out a practical answer because if that was Do Who, they would just Sonic it or Sonic something. It. Use, the son- like, use the Sonic! I'm going to use my coat to cover it and climb around it. Like... I love it. But what's in the pit is essentially the equivalent of like when um, James Bond meets all those Komodo dragons. <laughs> yeah, he's like a weird it's dragon. It's like a weird Komodo, Komodo dragon, dragon, dragon thing. That, it, um, that uh, Vicky is named Sandy. Eventually, so yeah, eventually it gets out of the pit and um, Sandy... Sandy has his own Wikipedia page. Of course, Sandy has his own Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was a sand beast. Sandy the sand beast. <laughs> Yeah. My goodness, how they thought ahead in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> oh, here we go. Sandy was shot and killed by Barbara Wright <laughs> with a flare gun when she mistakenly thought he was about to harm Vicky, which upset her. <laughs> in brackets, TV the rescue. <laughs> so yes, spoiler. Sorry. Sandy, <laughs> you've killed... <laughs> so spoiler, Sandy comes out and is like, Meh, and Vicky has taught Sandy only to eat plants. Barbara doesn't know this. Grabs the flare gun, shoots him. Can you imagine if someone just like turned up at your house and shot your pet? Your pet. That's literally it. Barbara's have been there for five minutes and turned around and shot shot uh, Vicky's pet dead. Also, can we just talk about that? Like, I love that Vicky has been here so long that she's like made friends with like the creatures and has like been feeding them and it's yeah. just it's it's literally exactly like what the characterization of her straight away is like you know who she is so quickly. Yeah. I love it. I taught it only to eat plants. How did you teach it? How did you teach it, Vicky? I don't know, but I need to know more. Why is there no big finish about this? Why is there no short story about this? I need to know how... How I Turned Sandy Vegan by Vicky. I could write a short story. I'm going to write a short story about this, and it's going to be just Vicky and Sandy on Dido and their (laughs) relationship. They're just chilling. Um, And then she's super upset, but finally, this is interrupted by the Doctor and Ian turning up. Yes. We're back together. The whole gang are back together. And this creates one of my favourite scenes. So obviously, Vicky is like mourning the loss of her beautiful little pet that Barbara's just came in and shot and killed. And the Doctor and Ian come in and the Doctor's like, oh, dry your eyes, my dear. It's going to be okay. It's so and, cute. And Ian's like, lol, at least we're not dead or something along those lines. Yeah. And, it's, and she's just like, uh, <laughs> I just lost my bet. And also, she yeah, she like really kicks off like when the doctor tries telling her what to do. She's she like goes absolutely. Oh yeah, the doctor, the doctor takes her one side and is like, look, I'm gonna go with Ian this way, and you're gonna go with Barbara. And she's like, Barbara, oh god. I just love that like with Susan, she never spoke back to him. She yeah. always did what he said, and like even when she was upset, she would like 
they would like fight. Yes. But with this, she has an outburst where she's just like, she has a go at them. And she was like, oh, I was perfectly fine before you turned up. Yeah, and you all arrived. You killed my pet. And then he just treats her with so much softness and kindness. And then they become friends. And it's so, so different to his relationship with Susan. So this is this is, this is is the thing. And let's, let's dive into it a little bit more. Is that like, his relationship with Vicky immediately in this episode is one of a grandfather figure. Mm. It's one of like, Caring and nurturing and kind and funny. Yeah. Like, the, the, the one is so funny here. I think he's like that a lot from this onwards. Yeah. From this story onwards, I think. Because people often like, people often ask me why the first Doctor is one of my favourite Doctors. You know, I have like a top three. And like, often I'll say the first Doctor is like, my favourite or second favourite. And... And people don't ever understand it because a lot. I think a lot of people's references, if they haven't seen Classic Who, is they've watched an, an unearthly child, or the Daleks, yeah. or they've watched Twice Upon a Time, which is a 2000 ep- 2017 episode of Doctor Who where the first Doctor returns, but is written in a really weird way where he's yeah. like a sexist man that is, doesn't actually really fully match who he is in Classic Who. Mm. Um, and this, so this point onwards is where you can really get into it, and you're like, this, this is a he's grandfatherly he's caring he's kind he's funny he's energetic he he's he's exactly the hero that the doctor is yes and i i think it's definitely from when susan leaves onwards that that really starts to show Mm. um it's him kind of like it's him talking to himself in the tiredness first of all but i was like (laughs) this is this is not what he would do he's like a man of like science and for me like i not not saying that scientists don't talk to themselves, but you know what I mean. Like he's not that kind of person that would really talk to himself. Mm. And for me, it was a, a little bit jarring. Mm. I, I won't lie. Like it was a little bit. It's been a little bit odd watching this episode and going, "This character I adore. This is like someone I would love watching continuously." Not saying that I've not enjoyed watching the first Doctor previously. It is a massive personality. But he's like he, he has like a real shift in personality, and it's it quite is jarring. <laughs> it is jarring. But then I got to think, I got thinking a little bit, and I was like, it's not that different to mm. spoilers when we come to it. Series eight, twelfth Doctor, and series nine, twelfth Doctor, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. Peter Capaldi in in his first series of Doctor Who is so grumpy and morally questioning and like mm. has a really big question mark as to who, who he is rude. really rude like like difficult to be around and i love it and i think peter capaldi wanted that as a choice because i think he wanted to do something similar to like i think he spoke before about it being similar to the first doctor that he starts off grumpy and then it kind of he loosens up as it, the seasons go on That's and, really and his relationship with Clara loosens him up and you can see yeah. the same way that he's working with this is that Ian and Barbara and the, his adventures in time and space with this group of people and meeting Vicky and everything it's loosening him up into a different person and it's, it's great character development mm. and then if you also add the fact that he's probably really overcompensating for having just lost his granddaughter it's like he's he's overdoing it a little bit yeah. as well because he doesn't want anyone to know he's upset which is so in keeping with the Doctor as yeah. a character too so yeah, it does. Even though it's jarring, you can understand why the change is happening. And overcompensating—that's really interesting because, like, when you get to series nine and like the Doctor has mm-hmm. fought through in two thousand fifteen, two thousand fifteen, yeah, has like, it, and in the context of that, has been trapped in uh, a location for several billion years, yeah. fighting through to get back to Gallifrey, mm-hmm. his home planet. Mm-hmm. Um, then to rescue a companion seconds before she dies mm. because he believes he's got a duty of care. Mm. Again, I can see that like as as a thing that the first doctor would do as a yeah. way of like overcompensating for the fact that like he's, he's just lost, lost someone. someone. Yeah. And so he's just got to kind of like go further and further until it's like you've gone too far, mate. Like so I, I, I think it's so interesting. That and I, yeah, and I think that's why I love the Twelfth Doctor so much because I love the Doctor being like a fatherly, grandfatherly figure. Yeah. And someone that really can be grumpy, but also like re- like something I love about Clara and the Doctor's relationship in the Twelfth Doctor's era is like when, when, spoiler, Danny Pink dies, which is Clara's boyfriend, and she goes absolutely mental and he's still like... I care about you. I'm going to help you in a way that I can. Like, I love yeah. that because that's exactly what the first Doctor would be like, you yeah. know? And I love those sides to the Doctor. Um, 
and I think that yeah it's definitely overcompensating like, of course he's going to be like I'm absolutely bloody fine from that to talk about Ian who calls Coquillian cocky licking does he actually he do, did you not he actually says it does he actually say cocky licking yeah <laughs> did you not see did you not no I didn't hear, hear that, that bit I didn't hear he it. literally calls him cocky licking can that be quote of the week well I, yeah that's on my list of okay the two right great I so he, there's a, an actual scene where he calls him cocky licking cocky licking it's so funny um, so yeah they basically once they're all back together, the doctor realises, he goes through to see Bennett and yeah. realises there's like a tape recorder that's like spitting out recorded bits of Bennett speaking and stuff. And he realises there's a hole in the floor. Yeah. And plot twist, Coquillian is actually Bennett in like what I assume is a dead dodo. Oh, no, no, no. So the ceremonial robes. It's the ceremonial robes. So is that not what a dodo dune looks like then? So is that just something they're wearing? So the doctor like goes down to this hole and basically finds what is the equivalent of like like a place of worship. Yeah. And uh, or like a gap. It was a people the people's chamber. Mm-hmm. So like some sort of like either de- democratic arena or place of worship. Yeah. And finds these um, robes, and they include robes that look very similar to mm-hmm. the monster that is Coquillian. We've gone from thinking Coquillian is an alien, but now the Doctor finds out that it's actually a ceremonial robe. Yes. And it's, I, I think it's the same way that um, we, as human beings, mm. wear nature as part yeah. of like ceremonial mm-hmm. um, ceremonial uh, dress. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's uh, a particular tribe in Kenya that have like the big discs and they stretch and enlarge yeah. your lips yeah, yeah, yeah. or there's the the Maori people who like mm-hmm. have lots of tattoos and wear like lots of particular um yeah. pieces of nature around them tribes in the Amazon where that it kind of to mm-hmm. me felt like, like that, it yeah. felt like that it's like it's not alien it's very mm-hmm. much pulling in the natural resources around them to yeah, create yeah, something yeah, yeah. and then so the doctor is then realizes that Coquillian isn't Coquillian it's actually Bennett dressed in the ceremonial robes. Plot twist. And the doctor's like, it's actually blasphemy for someone who's not from Dido to wear these. So, uh, you know, get the fuck out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, these clothes. Yeah, so he explains to the doctor that when, before the ship crashed, he was put under arrest for murdering another crew member. Yeah. And he would have been tried for this, you know, punished for this when they get back to Earth. Um, But the crime wasn't reported before the crash. So he, I don't think he caused the crash, but the ship crashed. Yeah. Um, But he killed everyone on the ship that was left alive from the crash, all of the Dido people, um, in an explosion that he had created. Just imagine this. Rather than, like, I know that people go to the ends of the earth to hide stuff that they have done. Yeah. I know that, like... But that's a bit far. It's like, like, oh, to hide the fact that you killed one person... Kill 25 more. You're going to kill 25 more, (laughs) plus plus a genocide of an entire race. Yeah. Isn't it not? Oh, but he's like, oh, but Vicky, she can stay. Vicky's because fine. Um, she's going to testify that I'm innocent. Vicky's my witness. Which is so crazy. It's as just, Vicky it's is so my witness, as the, old, as the old saying goes. Um, and then they have like a weird fight. The Doctor and Quillian have like a weird fight. Oh yeah, they're throwing chairs at each other. So have you watched Have you watched the most recent episode of The Traitors? Yeah. Do you, you know when they find out that, spoilers, three, two, one. When they find out that Paul is a traitor... Yeah. And then they, they banish him from the round table. And yeah. that, you know that chair that randomly flies across yeah, the room? That's, that's literally, that's literally what, what happens. Like. It's one of those yeah. things that goes, just, Yeah, he like for some reason chucks the chair. Because at this point, two Didodians, yes. which look exactly like humans, um, <laughs> walk out and actually don't say a thing. But they walk they out. They say nothing. They say nothing, so they can count as background characters. And they walk through, and they just menacingly walk up to Bennett until he falls off a cliff. He falls yeah. out of the back door and he falls off a cliff. No, literally, opens door, walks falls. slightly, falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then literally the next second the Doctor wakes up in the TARDIS and we're not on Dido anymore. Oh, yeah, he collapses, <laughs> he collapses, faints. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, um, I've woken up and bought the TARDIS. But, but here's the thing that I find really funny. They do this effect with the camera to make it look like like the Doctor. You know when you kind of go bleary-eyed and like yeah. kind of out of focus? Yeah. They do that with the Didodians, which I was like, that makes sense because yeah. it looks like he's looking at the Didodians. Yeah. But then they do it again to come back onto Barbara and Ian. But the Doctor's asleep, so it's not like we're looking through the Doctor's eyes. It's yeah. like 
It's like we've also fainted <laughs> as be- as viewers. I'm also having a And we're waking up. As a see- viewer, I'm having a depression sleep. I've just woken up. I've just woken up. <laughs> and I've just seen Barbara and Ian standing over the doctor going, I wonder if he's going to wake up now. <laughs> and then he goes out and he's basically... So, like, him and Ian and Barbara kind of all agree, like, Vicky's... Yeah, let's bring Vicky with us. Let's bring Vicky along for the ride. She is all alone. Um, and, you know, leaves her to sort of, like, for about a second to let her make a decision. Yeah. So the doctor goes, listen, we've got a space for the TARDIS if you want to come if you want to come with us. Yeah. Have a think about it. Goes inside literally for three seconds and goes, Right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take it. And Ian and Barbara are like, Are you gonna ask Vicky? And he's like, Vicky, my dear, come in. And she goes, Yes, I will come with you. She's basically well she like, where is she gonna go? Is she gonna stay on a planet where there's none of the no one left apart from like two Dinodians who don't speak? Who don't speak Sandy's gone. And who also who also we see after um the TARDIS yeah. team leave destroy the communications device. Yeah, because they obviously don't want the rescue team to come. To come and like, they're like, oh, they're also going to kill all of us. Yeah. I think it'd be really interesting at some point to go back to Dido and find like a race of people who have become so hardened and battle hardy because of this. Yeah, which reminded me of, oh my God, what episode was it earlier in season one where, where they were like, um, was it the Sensorites when they were like, oh, we don't trust you because humans have been in yes. before. Like that's that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then we have the fucking craziest cliffhanger. They land oh, literally cliffhanger. Great. Oh my god, it's literally, literally a cliffhanger. They literally land on a cliff, and they're like, "Oh, it's a bit wobbly." And then they freaking like, f- like the TARDIS Fall. falls off the cliff, and they all go, "Whoa!" They like fly across the TARDIS. I love it. I love that as a cliffhanger. It's so good. In the Target novelization of the rescue, for those who don't know, um, most Doctor Who stories, I'm pretty sure, all, pretty much every classic Doctor Who story is novelized, um, and they're offici- officially novelized, so yeah. people take it as canon. Uh, apparently the rescue ship did arrive and the crew killed two of the Didodians, a male and a female, oh. before determining that Dido posed nothing of value to explorers. I'm going to... I don't want to take that as canon. I want to leave it open-ended. That's given my mental health. There's nothing left to explore that's worthy of exploration. What was it? What was the sentence again? Um, that Dido posed nothing of value to explorers. Nothing of value to explorers. That's, that's me and my brain. You know when people are like, oh, let's get the brains of psychopaths and look at look at them under a microscope. <laughs> nothing, nothing worth well, nothing worth exploring. Nothing worth here. exploring here. <laughs> so that's the story, and it really is really short, and it's only two parts. Yeah. So do you know what? I keep finding that whenever we go back to really short, like two or three parters, that like somehow my brain doesn't work. It's like we go for a six parter, and yeah. I'm like, right, so much is happening, I'm really taking it in, and we go to a two parter. Or a three-parter, and my brain suddenly like, oh well, this is supposed to be short, so why isn't it over yet? Do you know what I mean? It's like my brain. Interesting. It's so, it's so weird because I I think that I think I've just had a really busy few days as well. And I had to squeeze watching it into like a million other yeah. things. Um, but I think I found it quite jarring going from Dalek Invasion of Earth to this, even though I already knew that I loved it. Like I love the rescue so much that mm-hmm. I cosplayed that dress that like Vicky in this story. I cosplayed that to a Doctor Who convention in twenty eighteen. Like I love. Yeah. Vicky, I love this story. But I found it really jarring going from Dalek Invasion of Earth to this. Um, Why? Because it was like a six-parter to a two-parter. And I think okay. that it, so I think going from a six-parter to a two-parter, having the Doctor have a complete personality transplant, Susan yeah. not being there anymore, yeah. and having to meet a new companion, and all this other stuff, like it being the first planet that the Doctor already knows, and the first companion to be asked for. Like all of this, like, it felt such a vibe shift that my brain was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, fair. You know, when you go from... Twice Upon a Time, which is Peter Capaldi's last episode, to The Woman Who Fell to Earth, which is Jodie Whittaker's first episode, is so jarring. Totally. I kind of yeah. had that, which is so weird because we're like three stories into a series. But also with that, you had a, a gap of about ten months. Yeah, between yeah, them. yeah. But it's like when you watch it, because I did a rewatch of all of New mm. Who, I watched Twice Upon a Time and Woman Who Fell to Earth like straight next to each other and yeah. it was so jarring. So it's kind of had a similar thing where I was like, oh, I love this. I really love this vibe shift. But I'm... Whoa. <laughs> this also, to me, felt like the start of season two. Yes, and also, it basically, it's weird because Planet of Giants and Dalek Invasion of Earth were filmed in the same production block as Series 1. Right. So really, because the, basically they filmed it all over like a 52-week period or like something like that, and then they had a six-week break, and then they began on... Huh? A year. Oh my god. No, maybe it wasn't 52 weeks, maybe it was like 56 weeks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe they filmed it over the course of... Okay, so maybe they filmed it over the course of... Whatever. Um, and then they had like a six-week break, and then they oh. came back and filmed The Rescue. Got you. So really, they filmed all of that in one, and then... So it, 
in my head it feels like the rescue is the beginning of season two mm. rather than Planet Giants. Yeah. Um, so it is It is a really weird vibe shift and I think like, by the time we get into the next story I'll settle into the vibe shift a little bit more yeah. it, it was like well okay this is happening now I think Ooh. also for me one of the things that I've not done recently and I was going to do it for the 60th anniversary but I just decided not to and now that I've gotten into us doing this podcast I think it's going to be a while before I do it is rewatch an adventure in space and time yeah. and I I think I would be really intrigued to watch and kind of see what's was going through William Hartnell's head when yeah. this was being written. Obviously, it's a docudrama. It's not going to be 100% accurate. Like, there's going to be changes. There's going to be mm. things that are different. But now I'd rather keep it until the end of, of this, of this e- era. Yeah. Or end of the first doctor. So I kind of like... Yeah. Actually, let's this. do that. Let's, let's once we finish the first doctor's era, watch that and it can be a subscriber episode. Oh, well. We can do it as a separate. Well, maybe, maybe we've got plans for that, but okay. I don't know. We, 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 I, we'll let me see. say something else in case you don't want to spoil it. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to include the subscriber version. I mean, we might do something. Um, should we go on to our how many stars we're going to rate this story? Should we say it at the same time? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, five. Four. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Why are you saying four? Literally, simply because I just didn't enjoy it as much as Dalek Invasion of Earth. Okay. And actually, I didn't think I would ever say this about Classic Q, but I think it could have been an episode longer. And I think we could have, I think they could have built... <laughs> I think I think it could have been an episode longer. I think it could have been three parts, and I think they could have built up more suspense. Because for me, it felt very like we just went from this really high stakes movie kind of six parter, mm-hmm. really dramatic, to something that felt very low stakes and kind of like silly. And I and I think they could have still had the silliness and the low stakesness. <laughs> um, but I wish that they um had had an extra episode to build up to stuff. Okay, fair. I wish it was a bit more. Yeah, I just wish there was more time. To build up to stuff. I like I like how tight it is. Yeah. Said, said the nun to the bishop. Um, <laughs> uh, I like how like I like how tight it is. I like how quick it feels. Yeah. But it also doesn't feel as though you're losing anything. I don't feel like I I feel like I know enough about Vicky now to go forward and be like, I trust that person in the TARDIS. Yeah, you're right. I mean, how? Yeah, it's amazing how they've managed to squeeze in so much character development yeah. into like those two. Which is what I was saying earlier. Like, how have they done that so well that they've managed to write her in such a way that we've had about fifty minutes with her and we're all yeah. like, "Damn, so, girl, bought that Tardis." <laughs> but I also I love the plot twist on this. It's one of my favorite plot twists in Doctor Who so far. Yeah. Because I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Oh, and see, I've seen it before, and so I was just like, I knew that Cocky Licken was really Cocky, Bennett. Cocky Licken's bad. Um. And so you, so you didn't see it coming at all. No, not at all. Okay. I was like, it was maybe I'm stupid. Maybe no, no, I'm no, no. Wrong. I don't think you are. I think it's just that you're coming at it from a perspective of like, oh my god, I never knew that this was going to be the plot twist. And yeah. actually, I think I knew the plot twist even before the first time I watched it, which is really annoying because actually maybe I would have rated it higher if I knew. But again, it's so clever. It's such good storytelling. Coming into it fresh, I was just like, yeah, oh, wait, it was him all the time. Yeah, and it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. So I mean. Where do you want to go? Do you want to keep it at five stars or four stars? Is there a way you could do four and a half? Let's do four and a half. Let's do four and a half. I think we've never done a half before. We've never, because we've tried to avoid it, but I feel like on this one... Yeah. I feel like it's really fair to give it a half. Yeah. Normally I'm like, let's let's fall back, or yeah. let's... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. So it's time for our segments. 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 Our cherished chocolate orange segments. Our cherished, cherished, We've got a couple of things... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm making myself laugh. <laughs> We've currently got um, a candle burning, and I feel like it's gone to, gone to best heads. Shout out to Gothy Kendall from season one of UK's Drag Race and season two of UK versus the World, which is about to air quite soon, uh, for producing the Gothy Candle. <laughs> Very good pun. Uh, with notes of fruit, floral, and nut in my butt. No, um, notes of... <laughs> Pardon? For notes of what amber. did you call me? 
Notes of amber, bergamot, and cedar with a base note of vanilla. And oh, I love a bergamot and a base note of vanilla. A little sniff of that, my girl, my darling. Oh, I can smell is the burning. Oh no! Oh, I can smell is the burning. <laughs> oh, you know my man, like the. <laughs> Sorry. I like it smells the burning. Apparently, it has gone to my head. It sounds like you were having a stroke there. Should we? Mother, all I can smell is the burning. <laughs> Um, should we go on to our song of the story? Yes. Um, so we 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 oh um. <laughs> oh we 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 oh. <laughs> Every story that we watch, we pick a song. Yeah. That encapsulates that story. Yeah. There's a vibe for that story. Whatever Summer song we think of. Um, and we put it in a playlist called the Who Watched Song of the Story. So every series there'll be a playlist of each episode. What what song we picked? Yeah. Um, do you want to go first with your song that you've picked? Yes. Um, well, I have gone for it, something themed around the rescue. Um, I'm really scared you picked the same song as me. I've gone for Save Me by Empress Of. I don't know that song. Uh, it's kind of Europop dancey, a little bit dark. I think it's the minor key. I'll be waiting here, baby. In the back of the room, I want you to save me. Ah. It's about being, it's about being, it's about being like... In a room by yourself and you're vulnerable. Oh, that's a good choice. And you're on your own, but then oh, someone someone appears and you're like, Vicky and, you're just, and you're just saying, ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mine's a little bit more basic, but still, well, I love both. I just chose Rescue Me. Bye. Rescue Me. Du, 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 rescue. You know that song? No. Oh my god, I wasn't singing is it. Is it Madonna? Badly. I'm gonna play David a little bit of the song because apparently I'm singing it so badly that he doesn't know what it is. She, she's not singing it badly. I'm sure. I'm sure it's the same and brilliant. We'll be back in one second. Okay. No, I do know that song. Yeah, it's a legendary song. Yes. But also, something that I so I picked it because it's called Rescue Me, yes. and it was the first song that popped into my head. But also, it came out the same year that the Rescue came out. Did it actually? It came out in 1965. Okay. I'd like to play this. But that was so weird because it like I I thought of the song, googled the song, played the song, and then I saw that it came out in 1965, and I was like, okay, when did the Rescue air? January 1965. I guess you could say that's. Hell of a coincidence. A coinkydink. A coinkydink. The goblins are at it again. The, goblin, the goblins are at it again. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I thought that would be a good choice. Throw that in. Yeah, Cool, I so want we're that. picking that one for this one. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Do you want to introduce ourselves in the next section? Okay, let's do fun fact. We try and find something, usually from Timeless Wiki. Um, the, there are other platforms that contain are, facts. There are other platforms that do contain facts. Um... And we bring a fun fact to the table and we, we, we exchange knowledge about this story. We so do. Beth, what is your fun fact? My fun fact that I thought was really funny um, is that apparently the producers wanted Maureen O'Brien to dye her hair black no. to make her look more like Susan, which is so weird, really, like, when you think about it. So bizarre. Um, and apparently Maureen refused and suggested that they just get Caroline Ford back instead. Uh, she was like, if you're going to make me do that, you might as well just get... Carol to come back. That's quite calm. Um, and I love that. Can you just imagine though? Like, what would happen if that if she said yes? What, would they just continue with every companion making them look the same? Like, it's just such a weird choice. Like, I get, I get it. They they obviously want, you know, they don't they want to keep a similar vibe. But like, yeah. the whole thing about Doctor Who companions is that they're all so vastly different. Just um, Doctor Who's continuously having trauma response and finding dark haired young women <laughs> yeah. to take her adventures. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was a really fun fact. Yeah, I like that. Good on Maureen O'Brien for saying no, piss off as well. Yeah. Well, Thank that's you. another thing that it just really, I love that Maureen O'Brien was like, I love that like both Carol and Ford, Carol and Ford and Maureen O'Brien were just like, so headstrong. <laughs> yes. They were like, absolutely not. Absolutely not, my darling. Um, so my fun fact is that in the credits for the first episode of this story, so it's split over two episodes, um... <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, is there a reason that you sound like a boiler alarm? A boiler alarm? <laughs> I didn't mean to. It's just the carbon, carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide alarm, Beth. Um, I'm not a carbon monoxide alarm. I'm a real girl. <laughs> Am I? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Don't let me get existential today. I don't need more existentialism. <laughs> What I'm were you going to say? You're going to give me your facts. I'm not a girl, not yet a boiler alarm. <laughs> fact me up. Fa- fact me up, buddy. <laughs> uh, my fun fact is that in episode one of the serial of uh, The Rescue, uh, Coquillian is 
uh, credited as being played by Sydney Wilson. Mm. And the reason that it's credited as being played by Sydney Wilson is because, obviously, we didn't want to spoil that Cochillian was actually Bennett. And so what they did was they put together two names. And the two names are Sydney Newman, who was the co-creator of Doctor Who, who's had a drama on the BBC at the time it was commissioned, and Donald Wilson, who was the head of serials at the BBC, um, and so they put the names together, Sydney Wilson, to preserve the who done it aspect. And that's the, the first time it happened in the show as well. Yes, love that. Um, and it's just, it happens again. Well, it doesn't happen again necessarily, but there's like nice little nods and hints back to past names in Doctor Who, which I really like. So mm. like in um, Human Nature, Family of Blood, which is a tenth yeah. Doctor story, um, John Smith. Who's being? Who's a doctor in disguise as a human? Says that his parents were Verity and Sydney. Yeah, um, love that. Who are like who Verity was the first producer. Sydney was head of. And she was head, the only female producer at the BBC at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then Bill Potts, who's a companion to the Twelfth Doctor, is named after William Hartnell. Oh, I fucking love. That. And she has a girlfriend called Heather, mm. who's named after Heather Hartnell, mm. who was William Hartnell's wife. Also, I think that Clara was named Clara because Elizabeth Sladen's middle name was Clara. Oh. Yeah, I think that's right. But I might Google that in a minute just to make sure. Um, Because they recreated that image of Jenna outside the TV centre where she's like sat on the bollards like that. And there's one of Elizabeth Sladen doing the exact same thing back from in the 70s. Beth's just Um, got her legs out like sugar babes and overload. (laughs) Apologies. Why are you apologising? I don't know. Oh, can we... we, Go on. I just, I just want to talk about the sugar babes all day. I don't know anything about sugar babes. Have you not, did you not watch... I just know push the button and that's it. Did you not watch Jules Daniel Hootenanny? No. I just want to say that like if, if you didn't watch Jules, Jules Daniel Hootenanny every year at Christmas... I used to with my auntie and then she passed away and I haven't watched it since. Well... Because I, cause I feel like it would just make me sad. That's fair. <laughs> However, I can highly recommend it. And the the one that they did on New Year's Day was probably one of the best, like... Really? Maybe I'll years. watch it. And the Sugar Babes did Overload. Okay. And all of the choreography for that when they perform it live every single time is they sat Ooh. on three chairs. Oh, and when, right. And when the chorus hits, they switch legs. As to, they they so, have their legs uncrossed. Right. And then when they um, get the chorus, they cross their legs. And it's just so, like, it's so simple but so effective. An Elizabeth Sladen trend. Time. And Elizabeth Sladen trend that Elizabeth Sladen started. So every week we pick a background character, mm-hmm. which doesn't always end up being a character. Sometimes it ends up being like... A chair leg or <laughs> something. An, earth, an earthworm. Um, but we last week we were like, oh, we should do hottie of the week. Yes. So, so maybe we can mix hottie of the week and background character or have them both. But this week there's, I feel like the only way is to mix, blend them together because there's not really that many background characters. There's only one option. Yeah. And the one option, they are, they are hot. They are hot. So our background character of this week... The silent Didodians. The silent Didodians. Who, who kind of look like Thals, actually. Yeah, they do kind of look like a, a, a little bit of Thalidian. Maybe they're, maybe they're sister planets. Maybe they're friends. Maybe they've exchanged, maybe they've exchanged <laughs> fashions. Head cannon. Head cannon. Exchanged, <laughs> they've exchanged fashions. They don't say a thing. They menacingly walk up to Bennett until he falls off a cliff. Um, Literally, he opens the door. And just falls out the And they're just, like, they're just walking up like... <laughs> um, yeah, they. one of them looks much younger than the other. Don't age shame the Didonians. No, no, I'm not. I just was just like, I need. I want to know more about them. Like, is one of the, is it like father and son? Are they like Bessie, Bessie mates? Are they Twinsets. a couple? <laughs> Twinsets. Um, yeah. So the two Didonians, which are the only Didonians we meet, they're not really a couple. It's 1960s Doctor Who. Of course, they're not a couple. We can head cannon. <laughs> Fraser and the Second Doctor were boyfriends. <laughs> Fraser. Oh. Jamie and the Jamie. Second Doctor are boyfriends. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's our background character and yeah. Hottie of the Week. Because we can't just say Barbara and Ian every week for Hottie of the Week. That's true. But we can. But we could. If we want. We want Barbara's um, hair's not as bouffant this week. No, Barbara's hair's not giving as much this week as it was last it week. It was giving last week. It, I was like, what has she got under there? What was she hiding inside several, that bonnet? Several, several cans of, of got to be glued. <laughs> Got to be good, VO5. Um, or Silver Crown, as my grandmother uses. Okay, we also every week pick a quote that um, we have been drawn to for whatever reason 
Usually it's because it's got filth in it. <laughs> it um, just sounds really rude. I've actually not picked one out. So Beth, you've got two. So oh yeah. Take, so away. I mean, there's basically a scene where Ian calls Coquillian cocky licking. Cocky licking. That's exactly how it says it. How he says it. I can't remember the context, but that is just a quote in itself. Sure. But there's also a bit where they're in the um, when they're playing Jungle Run in the in the cave, and the Doctor says. Uh, if I pressed myself any harder against this thing, I'd do myself an injury. <laughs> Can you say it in his voice, please? <laughs> My dear, if I pressed myself against this any farther, I would do myself an injury. <laughs> um, My good man. Yeah. So I picked both of those. It's not even accurate, that voice. It, it, to me, it is. Thanks. Um, I think either of those are quite funny for quotes. Really. I kind of love cocky looking. Yeah, me too. And also, I love the quote, cocky looking. Yeah. A bit, the context of the actual quote is like, so he's just talking about him. And I just, I, 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 I need to know more. Like, did William Russell just like ad lib and was like, I'm just going to make a little joke. I'm just going to, I'm just going to mm. throw this in there. Or like, did they, did they, they didn't correct him. They just let it happen. I don't know. This is a message for Alfred Enoch. If you can guess your dad. <gasps> we should get Alfred Enoch on the podcast. <laughs> Alfred Enoch. If you're if watching. If you're watching this, <laughs> we want to get you and your dad on the podcast. Please. Please. <laughs> Consensually. So that's the quote of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little shout out quickly for the Black Archive. Because yes. I've been using, um, Black Archive is a Doctor Who image site with a m- like massive collection of images from all of Doctor Who's history. They're all really high quality and I use them for our social media and I just think the person that runs that must put in so much Whoever's doing it, whoever you are. You deserve a medal, honestly. Because it's like, you know, people have like such specific, um, such niche like Doctor Who things that they care about and like this person has very clearly put so much effort into this website and it's so helpful. Yeah. It's so helpful. Like, you know, it's, it's so easy to navigate. Everything's there. There are so many images like from the 60s Doctor Who that I've never seen. So shout out to Black Archive and uh, we love your work. Keep it up. While we're doing shout outs, let's give a shout out to the gorgeous, wonderful star of the chase, Reese Connolly. <laughs> star of the chase. I, if you haven't seen Reese's appearance on the chase with the icon that is Bradley Walsh, aka Graham <laughs> O'Brien, please go in on to ITVX. Please go and find that episode that they're in and enjoy yourself with Reese saying decorative knobs. <laughs> It's and wonderful. We who and Reese does our artwork, so that's why we're shouting him out. Yes, that's why. Um, we're not just we're just saying, oh lol, hello. Shout out to decorative knobs. Decorative um, knobs. And also thank you to Hayden Wynn who made a lovely theme song. Thank you, Hayden. Thank you, Hayden. Um, very yeah. gorgeous. Very gorgeous. Sounds very gorgeous as always. We'll uh, we'll we'll see you next week for the literal cliffhanger. Oh my goodness, the hanger of cliffs, the <laughs> Romans. It was a travel back in time. God, it's going to be the first time we've travelled back in time since Reign of Terror. And we remember how much we loved that. Yeah, woo! I actually think this is, from what I remember, it's much more fun. Okay, great. Rather great. than having to talk about your bathtub routes and once again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.